Hello and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies with your speaker, Chris McCann. If you'd like more information or to hear more studies, visit our website at www.ebiblefellowship.com. And now, with your evening Bible study, here's Chris McCann. Good evening and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Bible Study in the Book of Revelation. Tonight is study number 16 of Revelation chapter 12. And we're going to be reading Revelation 12 verses 15 through 17. And the serpent cast out of his mouth water as a flood after the woman, that he might cause her to be carried away of the flood. And the earth helped the woman, and the earth opened her mouth and swallowed up the flood which the dragon cast out of his mouth. And the dragon was wroth with the woman, and went to make war with the remnant of her seed, which keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. In our last study, we were looking at this flood, and we saw that the word for flood is also translated as river, that the serpent casts out of his mouth after the woman. And we saw that um, this is another example of Satan attempting to be like Christ, And the Lord Jesus has the word of God, the rivers of water that uh, cause wildernesses to become um, wonderful, beautiful places for life and for green things. And Satan, in attempting to imposter Christ, also casts water out of his mouth, but of course, it's polluted water, it's a perverted gospel. It's a gospel that cannot bring life, but rather brings death. And this is his purpose, to cast the water out of his mouth after the woman. The hope is that she might drink of the water and die, that she might be deceived into believing the lies that are very close to the truth, but yet are not true. And and that has been Satan's hope and his plan all along throughout the church age as he pursues the woman, he persecutes her, and and he did so century after century, following her from church to church, denomination to denomination, and and constantly um, fouling the waters and and spoiling them, ruining them, hoping to just cause one of God's elect to uh, die as a result. But here God tells us something interesting in verse 16. And the earth helped the woman, and the earth opened her mouth and swallowed up the flood, or the river, which the dragon cast out of his mouth. And obviously, since this river is coming out of the dragon's mouth, it's not literal at all. It's not speaking of a literal flood, as there was a literal flood a cataclysmos flood in the days of Noah. No, this this is spiritual. It has to do with the water of a gospel. Satan taking the word of God in his mouth through his emissaries, his uh, angels of, of light that come looking like Christ, and he looks like a lamb but speaks as a dragon as we We'll read a little bit further on in the book of Revelation. It is this spiritual 
polluted water that is coming after the woman. And it is this water that the earth opens up its mouth, her mouth, and helps the woman. The woman being the body of true believers, the elect people of God. And and so, of course, the, since the water is not literal, neither is the picture of the earth opening its mouth in a earthquake or in a, a sinkhole of some kind and, and literally swallowing this water. No, uh, this also has some sort of spiritual meaning. And in order to better understand what God is saying concerning the earth opening its mouth, let's turn to Numbers 16 where we find almost identical language, we've at least very similar language. In Numbers 16, a rebellion uh, amongst the people of Israel is coming to the surface. It's probably been festering for some time. Actually, in the previous chapter, in Numbers 15, there was a man who picked up a few sticks And God commanded him to be stoned to death. A a very severe punishment for a seemingly minor infraction. And it's possible that, uh, of course, it's uh, certain that this punishment brought fear to the rest of the congregation of Israel. As uh, picking up a few sticks, anybody could have done that. Uh, He was picking them up on the Sabbath day, and God wanted to stress the great importance of keeping the Sabbath. And God had his reasons for it to paint a spiritual picture, but the Lord doesn't have to explain. He just simply commanded them to keep the Sabbath. The man violated the Sabbath, no matter how slight. And so God pronounced the death penalty for him. He was to be stoned to death. And we could see how that would trouble the minds of many in the congregation not wanting uh, to be uh, perhaps the next person who goes contrary or or steps over the law of God on some point. And, and I wouldn't be surprised if murmuring increased at that point because in the very next chapter, in number 16, we read in the first few verses, well, let's read, in uh, verse 1, Now Korah, the son of Izhar, the son of Kohath, the son of Levi, and Dathan, and Abiram, the sons of Eliab, and On, the son of Peleth, the sons of Reuben, took men. And they rose up before Moses with certain of the children of Israel, 250 princes of the assembly, famous in the congregation, men of renown. And they gathered themselves together against Moses and against Aaron, and said unto them, Ye take too much upon you, seeing all the congregation are holy, every one of them, and Jehovah is among among them. Wherefore then lift ye up yourselves above the congregation of Jehovah. It's very likely that as these men gathered amongst themselves, they were blaming Moses and Aaron for the severity, the extreme uh, seriousness um, of the death penalty for that man who only picked up a few sticks. And, and so they determined, we can't allow this to continue. And they uh, led an uprising to take authority away from Moses and Aaron. But, of course, Moses and Aaron were put in place, put in authority by God. God's the one 
who had the man stoned to death. God's the one who has led them this way in the wilderness and and caused them to experience all the things that they have experienced. And they, they're not understanding that or realizing that. And they dare to lift up their hand against God's chosen individuals to deliver Israel and to lead Israel through this period of time. And, well, as a result, God will pour out his wrath upon them. And we read in verse 29 of number 16, If these men die the common death of all men, or if they be visited after the visitation of all men, then Jehovah has not sent me. But if Jehovah make a new thing, and the earth open her mouth, and swallow them up with all that appertain unto them, and they go down quick into the pit, then ye shall understand that these men have provoked Jehovah. And it came to pass, as he had made an end of speaking, all these words that the ground clave asunder that was under them, and the earth opened her mouth and swallowed them up, and their houses, and all the men that appertained unto Korah, and all their goods, they and all that appertained to them, went down alive into the pit, and the earth closed upon them, and they perished from among the congregation. And all Israel that were round about them fled at the cry of them, for they said, Lest the earth swallow us up also. Now, one thing we we see immediately the rebellion against God and the people that God had put in place, his elect, Moses and Aaron, was stopped in its tracks. It had been growing, it had been developing. There there were um two hundred and fifty men of renown, princes in the congregation that were also burned up and and there were these men leading a, a strong rebellion against God. And and when God had the earth open up, swallow these men, and and they went down into the earth and, and they were gone, never seen again, and the earth closed upon upon them, they perished from among the congregation. Their rebellion, for all intents and purposes, came to an end. And that's the key thing that God is teaching us in Revelation 12 concerning the church age. Yes, there will be rebels that uh, infiltrate the congregation. They will enter in, uh, emissaries of Satan. They will stir up animosity and and fight against the true people of God. And and that happened whenever the truth came under attack, whenever the true gospel was being changed for uh, a fake gospel. And yet God helped the the woman, the elect, by having the earth open up. Now, of course, historically, in number 16, he, he did that literally. And very quickly, all the rebels were gone. They just sunk into the earth, and and that was that. And uh, maybe there were still some in uh, opposition and who murmured and so forth. But the ringleaders were all dead. And and so 
uh, their efforts basically came to a close. Now, in Revelation 12, it's spiritual. And we don't know exactly how God did this, only that he's telling us that he would offer similar protection to his people within churches. Now, it could just be that as um, an apostasy would begin and develop and and men were were following along and and going after that other kind of gospel and uh, and it was becoming more and more of a threat more of a danger to the true people of God to the elect and because God had the church as their place prepared for them for the 1955 years of the church age and therefore it, from time to time it would be necessary for God to offer some protection to the church as a whole, as a basic institution, to maintain it, that it might continue until the end of the church age. And at that point, at the end of the church age, God would simply give it up, and and the church would lose that protection. And, of course, we've witnessed that. We've seen it with our own eyes. A, a church unprotected, is ripe for any apostasy and and every apostasy, and uh, they go after it, and there is no diminishing of it, no removing of it. It just fosters and grows and increases, and it, it becomes a spiritual wasteland, a, a spiritual devastation. That's uh, the character of the Great Tribulation when God was judging the churches. But during the church age, yes, perhaps a church would get that way, or a whole denomination might get that way, but overall the corporate body had protection. God sometimes uses the figure of the the birds of the air, the birds of prey, that want to come down on a carcass, and there's a man um, to brush them away, to to sway them away, or fray them away, so that they... They cannot feed upon the carcass. Now, when God brought the judgment on the church, then he uses the figure of there is none to fray them away. There is no man to ward off the vultures, to ward off the the eagles. They feed at will, and that's our present condition. But throughout the church age, one of the ways God would help is by having the earth open up and swallow up the threat. Now, this could have been as simple as bringing death to a certain individual who had developed the following. And while he was alive, he was writing, he was speaking. More and more people were saying, this man makes sense and and I'm going to follow him. And, and so he developed the following and then God uh, gave him a heart attack or, or God had him killed in some way. And maybe if the doctrine, that false doctrine, remained around for a while, but it was not the threat that it was while he was alive, and so forth. And what happened to the man when, once he died? He was buried. He went into the earth. The dirt was thrown over him. And as the Bible says, uh, we return to the dust. And in a sense, the earth opened its mouth and swallowed him up and helped the woman. 
because what he was teaching was just poisonous uh, gospel water that that was of no spiritual benefit to the people of God. So that's uh, one example of what God could have in view here by this language of the earth opening up its mouth and swallowing up the river which the dragon casts out of its mouth. All right, let's go on to verse 17 of Revelation 12, the last verse of the chapter. And the dragon was wroth with the woman and went to make war with the remnant of her seed. And uh, we already know that Satan was angry when he could not destroy Christ. Then he came after the woman that had brought him forth, the body of believers, and he has been doing warfare with them. All throughout time this has been going on until Judgment Day when God has defeated Satan and and finally brought an end to the battle. There is no more um, souls that are within Satan's kingdom that Christ must uh, assault that kingdom in order to bring him out. That's all been accomplished and completed. But throughout the rest of the history of the world up until the end of the matter on the day of judgment the spiritual warfare was raging the dragon satan was wroth with the woman and went to make war with the remnant of her seed now when we get to the next chapter revelation 13 we're going to see that god finally allows the dragon satan who in that chapter is called the beast to have the victory over the saints, to win the war. As it says in Revelation 13, verse 7, And it was given unto him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. Then that's the change. Because Satan, the dragon, has been warring with the saints for thousands of years, but it's only at that time of the end our time that uh, it was given to him to win, to overcome. And that's one big sign. It's a biblical sign, a sign in the Bible, but it's one big sign to let us know we are at the end of the world because of how Satan overcame the church. The desolate, dead church that we see all around us with no life of any kind is a big sign from God to his people, the end is here. And if we ever think the world will just continue on and on uh, and and seemingly endlessly, look at that, that desolate wilderness that the church has become and It is a reminder, no, it will not. We are in the final phase of God's plan for this earth. Satan has never been able to overcome the church to this degree. Yes, he could overcome a church, singular. He could overcome a denomination, but he could not overcome the whole body. Christ was in the midst of the church, fighting for her, helping her by having the earth open its mouth or or many other ways God helped the woman who was also in the church and and that prevented 
Satan from winning and overcoming the camp of the saints until the time of the end. Well, notice it says he went to make war with the remnant of her seed. If we go to Isaiah chapter 10, it says in verse uh, 21 and 22, The remnant shall return, even the remnant of Jacob, unto the mighty God. For though thy people Israel be as the sand of the sea, yet a remnant of them shall return. The consumption decreed shall overflow with righteousness. And that remnant is uh, referring to the elect. Though Israel uh, be as the sand of the sea, there could be millions of Israel, yet within Israel is a remnant that are the true people of God. You can have a whole nation of Israelites, yet 7,000 that have not bowed the knee to Baal. You can have a whole church of 2 billion professed Christians, yet a remnant was in them. Of course, during the church age, there weren't that many. However many there were, a remnant was always within the church, just as it was within Israel. And that remnant was the woman that brought forth a man-child. That remnant was the uh, the elect. And it says in Isaiah 11, in verse 11, And shall come to pass in that day that the Lord shall set his hand again the second time to recover the remnant of his people, which shall be left from Assyria and from Egypt and from Pathros and from Cush and from Elam and from Shinar and from Hamath and from the islands of the sea. And he shall set up an ensign for the nations and shall assemble the outcasts of Israel and gather together the dispersed of Judah from the four corners of the earth. And then verse 16 of Isaiah 11 says, And there shall be a highway for the remnant of his people which shall be left. And in this chapter, God is looking at the remnant that are saved out of the great tribulation period, but still called the remnant the remnant of his people. And that's the ones that the dragon has targeted. The dragon was wroth with the woman and went to make war with the remnant of her seed. Now, the woman represents the elect and the remnant of her seed represents the elect. Remember what we saw when we uh, did a study in Second John? In Second John, the first verse, it said the elder unto the elect lady and her children whom I love in the truth. And the elder is a figure of God. Unto the elect lady, who represents the elect, of course, and her children. And and that's the identical idea to what we're reading in Revelation 12, 17. The woman and the remnant of her seed. It's the woman and her children. Because God was speaking of the elect living then and the elect that would come down through the generations in every generation of the church age. And and Satan didn't just attack the elect of the first century, but the second century and third and fifth and tenth and, and seventeenth and so on. All through history he has come against the people of God relentlessly pursuing them, persecuting the woman. And and uh, finally it says that he went to make war with the remnant of her seed, which, which keep the commandments of God and have the testimony 
of Jesus Christ. And that is the nature of the, the true believers. Once God has saved them, he gives them a new heart and a new spirit that obeys perfectly the word of God, the law of God. It, 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 without error or transgression, the new heart placed within each one God saves is perfectly obedient to the commandments of God. So they're kept within the inward man of everyone that God saves, although in the flesh there is disobedience and, and then that is that struggle that's ongoing within the life of a child of God. And also have the testimony of Jesus Christ. What is the testimony of Jesus Christ? The Word of God, the Bible. Satan, it targets the woman, the remnant of her seed. He goes after those God has chosen, but he identifies them. He knows them because of their relationship to the testimony of Christ. They they won't give it up. They they won't um, compromise it. They they refuse to stray from it. They they won't go to the left of it and they won't go to the right of it. They insist on going according to the way that is set forth in this word, and that makes them obvious targets. They're they're very easily spotted by the enemy. Because who else in the world is going that way? The rest of the world's going the broad way that leads to destruction. Satan has to only watch that narrow way. He only has to see who's following this singular path that is extremely narrow that no one in the world would ever or could ever follow. The, the people of the world can't go that way. The people of other religions can't follow that road. Even uh, the professed Christian goes far adrift from the narrow way that is set forth from the Word of God. So Satan easily is able to see, oh, that one, that one in that church, he's part of the remnant of, of her seed. And this uh, this woman over here teaching her young children this way is part of that remnant. And, and so he's able to, um, in the spiritual battle, to see the enemy. And it actually was the case that, that God's people were at a, a slight disadvantage because they could not uh, always identify their enemy, Satan, because he came looking like Christ and sometimes was so close that it was very difficult to see the difference. Well, anyway, this was a helpful chapter to remind us of the church age, to remind us of God's protection over it, so that when we go into the next chapter, Revelation 13, we're going to be right back into the Great Tribulation, right back into the time that just passed, and the destruction of that church that once enjoyed that glorious presence of the Lord Jesus and and all the protection the Almighty afforded it, and yet no longer at the time of the end when judgment would begin at the house of God. 
and this is going to start um, in the next several chapters. We're we're going to get deeply into uh, our present time. Chapter thirteen is the Great Tribulation. Chapter fourteen is Judgment Day. Chapter fifteen, chapter sixteen is Judgment Day. So for the next four chapters, it's going to be very intensely focused. God is going to once again. In verse after verse after verse, remind us of what is going on in our present time. Thanks for joining us for eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies. You can hear these studies Monday through Friday over PalTalk, Skype, eBible Fellowship's webcast audio, or over your phone. For more information or to hear other studies, visit www.ebiblefellowship.com. Until our next study, may the Lord's perfect will be done.